When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rooker End, a podcast all about following Watford Football Club, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John uh, and I stand outside the Hornet shop after Watford have lost at home 2-0 against Wolverhampton Wanderers. I'm joined by Colin. Good afternoon. And Jason. Good afternoon. And Michael. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste to all who uh, listen to this podcast. Do you know what the bad news is, John? The bad news is Wolves were... That was not a good performance by Wolves, and we weren't ever really in it, and that's the that's the worst news. Welcome back, Cole. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, they, for me, I think there were there were there was a point in about 60th minute where things changed dramatically. I'm not saying we were ever dominant in that foot game of football, Jason, but as a let, let's talk let's do it in two halves. The first half, tentative at best in the first 15-20 minutes yeah it took us a while to get into the game didn't it I think the first 10 minutes we were into the game it while to touch the ball <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the first 10 minutes I think we were we, I, I think I counted it we actually gave away a free kick every minute <laughs> for the first 5 minutes or something silly like that and it was sort of reflected with Ngakia as well who looked like he was in for a long afternoon up against Traore he was he was sort of really struggling early on and, and it just wasn't happening for us when we did get the ball we didn't hold on to it for more than a few passes and it was a uh, we were conceding a lot of pressure and in fact for the for the rest of the half we were conceding possession we were defending deep i think we were sort of defending from our halfway line no further forward there was no sort of pressing further forward than that but actually sort of time went on we grew into the game that reflection moving gaki was doing gaki i thought grew into the game really well and actually in terms of chances or creating chances uh, until the last minute of the half, I thought we had the those better, the better of those chances. Yeah, I mean, Mike, half time. I sort of put it down to I thought we should be one up at half time. That ball, that you know, Ishmael Asar, he, he, he was he was doing his thing, but seventy percent of his normal thing that we love him to do, he wasn't crossing the ball very well. But when he got the ball, he ran the box. It felt more dangerous, and he, he passed the ball across, and it just what was it I, you, know, you, you get the lovely replays over there in the in the Sir Elton John stand was it actually did it was he was King close to that that chance he probably wasn't as close as it looked like oh, from okay. the from the rookery end it was it was millimetres for me yeah well it wasn't that close but obviously it was a decent chance and before that we'd had the Sissoko shot as well and I think as Jason said there I think the little triumvirate of Sissoko Saar and Ngakia actually started combining quite nicely after they'd seen it, seen their way through that it was quite an astonishing first 15 minutes, really, when Watford literally didn't touch the ball. And I do, they probably must have had 15 touches, if that, in, in the opening sort of 10, 15 minutes. It was quite, quite extraordinary. But they did grow into it, and they did start having some, some um, success down that right-hand side, and they did have those two chances. 
I guess, half chances, maybe three-quarter chances at best. And the unfortunate thing is that was as good as we would do for the rest of the afternoon. Jason mentioned Ngaki there, and I will be positive and say that yeah. I think we actually did a reasonable job of shutting down Traore, who has been, you know, if you listen to any Wolves fan or any Wolves commentator talk about Wolves so far this season, Traore's been in fire. He started very, very confidently, very strongly, but faded and was ultimately substituted. And I think you can take a little bit of credit from that. That was one thing that we had to deal with today, and they actually did that okay. But really the fact that we're now, we've mentioned the Sissoko chance, we've mentioned the, the Josh King chance, we've got nothing else to talk about in terms of attacking threat at all. Oh. No, there's, nothing to talk, there's nothing to talk about, Michael, in terms of what we did, but there is a lot to talk about in terms of why we didn't, I think. Colin, for you, let, let's start through the team. I think positively, the defence, albeit two goals went in, one of them was an own goal. Oh, what for fans? You all wanted FIFA not to ban him, but he goes and scores an own goal. Oh. No, I'm joking. You know, there was an, it was an own goal. That sort of set us back a little bit. Honestly, but defensively? Well... What can you say? You're defensively good for 70 minutes, then you let in two goals. I mean, uh, uh, no, I, I'm not buying it. I'm not having it. I agree, I agree about Angakia, and I think Danny Rose had a good performance first. Great half. Yeah, he was good. But the, the real problem is in front of them. I thought the three men, Sissoko showed he's a classy player, and we know there's a bit of rust there, so when that comes off. But what he needs alongside him is someone creative and dynamic. And what he had alongside him was a very slow 32-year-old Slovakian who is wholehearted, obviously, and he likes to put his foot in, but there was no creativity in the midfield. And Etebo, at times, literally looked like he was hiding so that he wouldn't get the ball passed to him. So Serralta and Trustecon got the ball. They're, they're good defenders, they're fine, but they don't have the protection from Etebo that, 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 they, that, the, that last season they had from somebody like... Uh, Will Hughes. So he, when Serralta and Trusagon got the ball, the obvious pass should be to Etebo. And that pass wasn't on quite a lot of the time because he wasn't showing for it. And when he did show for it, he got it and he mostly passed it back to them. So what he wasn't playing on the half turn. The two men in front of him, they were slow too. So our build-up was so slow and it was so predictable. And there was no dynamism in that, in that central midfield three. And there was no creativity. And you just think, what's the plan? What's the plan? We've got these three players up front who are waiting to receive the ball. They just don't get the ball. In the end, what we did in order to create threat was we just went down the side. And Gakia and Saar actually linked up really well at times. And I thought, OK, well, there's something that we can, we can look at. That's something that might develop. On the other side, I thought Rose, as I say, defensively was having a good game. He ran out of steam, obviously, because, again, a bit of rust. And, and Dennis doesn't really know, no. am I, what am I, am I left-sided? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he would have been better off with Semmer because Semmer would have helped Rose and Rose would have helped Semmer. But Dennis seemed to waft between the two roles and he didn't really settle into it. And, and Josh King didn't have a particularly great game so but I think the real problem is not Cisco's tactics or I think it's to do with the the pace the dynamism the thought process that goes through those central three midfielders and they just didn't have it today and as a result we look pedestrian we look slow we look easy to defend against and that's why we didn't really we didn't get a goal we had some chances but we didn't we lost, you know we lost the dynamism that we have just seen my cousin and, and uncle after the first home game we were cock-a-hoop the sun was shining we'd won three two and there was dynamism on show and that was when Saar and Dennis were close together. Dennis threw the middle and Saar close to him and it allowed them that electricity we saw that excited us so much. And that's, that's not there at the moment because, as Colin says, Dennis is being utilised elsewhere. 
and he's he's still a threat I think he still excites me he works hard he flits around he's he's unpredictable as much for us as he is for the for the defense which I think is often great but I think and I'm, it's, it's a real shame for Josh King I think he's probably got one game left down the middle and that he'll probably get the start at Norwich but if he doesn't score they've got to change it because at the moment we've all season so far we've talked about how excited we are about our attacking options we haven't scored since Villa and to be perfectly honest, we haven't actually looked like scoring, really, in reality. The keepers have had a very... The Brighton keeper, the Tottenham keeper and the Wolves keeper have had three very, very easy afternoons, if we're, if we're honest. And that has to change because the results have to change because we've got two... Now they're enormous games coming up because you don't get anything out of Norwich or Newcastle and all of a sudden we are in deep, deep trouble. Uh, and I think the way we're going to do that is, is to, to utilise what we've got more of attacking threat and I think that's Dennis down the middle pushing King out wide he doesn't want to do it that's where he's played previously and hasn't enjoyed it so we're probably going to end up with a sulky Joshua King but we're going to have, something's going to have to change up there at the moment we've got a, a Joshua King that's lacking in confidence I think that's a, that's the yeah, biggest yeah. problem for me there were I just wonder that one where that, that chance in the first half that he didn't get to is he not anticipating that run because of his lack of confidence and then in the second half he gets one over the top where you think he's through. He looks like he's behind. Can he hit it first time if he's left? At least test the keeper. He doesn't. He chooses to sort of hold the ball up, check back, slow it down. We talk about the midfield slowing it down. When your striker's sort of slowing things down like that as well, you, that's a bit of a worry. And I think that is coming down to the lack of confidence that he's got because he hasn't scored in God knows how many games. He's good though. Uh, hang on. But yeah, I, I mean, he was, he was a centre forward. He was running into the box. Far more dynamic, you know, King than several years worth of strikers we've had playing that, that central role but I think that you know, it was interesting I think Colin brought up in the WhatsApp group you know the, the Jermaine Genus said after the, the Tottenham game the fact that Watford didn't come across as a confident team they didn't come across as a team you know they were playing on, on the back foot and for me Ishmael Asar today Colin was really playing on the back foot I know there was an element where he was trying to be supportive and helping out uh, in Gakier towards the beginning of the game but there was a moment during the first half where he was next to Traore and you think look here mate if you want your big move to the biggest club in the world, not just the biggest club in the Premier League, the biggest thing in the world, if you poke that 20 yards ahead of you and you go and beat Traore to that ball, every go, wow, you're quick. But he didn't. He got it caught under his feet and he lost it. He didn't. And then there were several occasions where you're thinking, his thought process to me was, I'm going go to go to the byline and cross it in. Yes, we all know that you're not the best crosser in the world, Ishmailer. But when he sort of then gets the ball and he runs into the box, he ran into the box and just didn't quite do anything with it. It was almost like, don't think about it, Ishmailer. Just try and shoot. Yeah, I mean, I think everything you've just said is, is fair. I still think he's our most dangerous-looking player. He's not thinking dangerously. He had one run in the first half where he ran into the box and then he, he tried to pull it back. And you're just screaming to him. Just he just hit it. Well, I can't remember the goal. Who was it? He scored the goal against where he hit it with the outside of his right foot. Yeah. The keeper was utterly perplexed by it, and then no one could believe he'd scored from that angle. He just thought, just do that. <laughs> just at least have a go at that. Because as you say, his final ball quite often leaves a lot to be desired. But also there were times because he's so much quicker than anybody else. He got the ball far up the pitch, and he looks around, and there's literally no one there. To, so uh, run in the box. Keep going. Yeah, well, be positive. And he's got three or four players around him. It's not easy. We're also relying on a very young developing player to be uh, our most important and most threatening player which is, isn't isn't easy 
look, this is a whole new side. To be a bit more positive, it's a whole new side. It's a brand new midfield. Um, there's lots of players playing with each other that uh, haven't had a much chance to play together. They haven't trained much together. You know, a few weeks, and and there's other players still to come in. There's two fan who's going to who's going to come in and play. Maybe Laos is going. I know that we, you know we haven't seen anything that has encouraged us about him. But you know, there's another midfielder there. There's uh, obviously there's Gosling. There's Cleverly. I, I was surprised that Cleverly didn't come on because I just wanted to see someone with a bit more dynamism who's going to get who's going to push up ahead of that midfield and try and get the ball in those little spaces and create for the for the forward players but we've got to be patient but we can't be patient for too long as Mike says the next two games are massive because Mike we talked about in the podcast with Adam about that yeah that, that abundance and brilliantness that we have in that midfield and we know that we're going to be sort of looking towards Cisco now we were looking at all these new players but we're going to be looking towards his choices it didn't feel like that starting lineup was wrong it didn't feel it felt like it he's not picking necessarily all the players in their best their best places but that substitution where you put Ken on instead of Cleverly where Ken isn't going to be on his King Ken mode it, I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm saying you should have made a different choice but it, the substitutions didn't play to what we needed no they didn't work out at all I don't think I don't think there can be any question that you look at that team that took to the, the field today and I don't think any Watford fan would have been in any way disappointed I think that's probably the strongest 11 that we could have fielded today and one that we could quite rightly be excited about so I don't think there's any question about Cisco there whatsoever I think the bigger substitution for me was King coming off um, who I do, you know, I was talking about him earlier. I do think he's a good player, and I think if he scores, I seem to say this a lot about our strikers who never <laughs> score. But I think if he does get a bit of confidence, but he he looks like a striker. He looks like a number nine. There is body shape and everything about him. So if we can get him going, all may not be lost. We're only three. What are we? Three, four games into the Premier League season. So as Cole says, no, don't panic. Be patient. But I do think King coming off, Hernandez coming on initially relatively exciting because we saw what Hernandez did when he came on um, against Villa that seemed to unbalance the side almost immediately and it the, the shape it just collapsed straight away and I think the, the substitution that you're talking about compounded that I know Jace wants to come in no, no I was just agreeing with you that's what I was going to say I, I absolutely agree about the shape the shape went completely didn't it and it's it's hard to understand why again so when we've been talking about the attacking talent that we've got those sort of those four players are involved in attacking set up today should be interchangeable yeah. it should be yeah. relatively straightforward okay yeah taking out the centre you could put Dennis in the middle you could put Kucho in the middle both of those players can play out wide we know Sars got goal scoring ability I like 4-3-3 as a formation I think yeah. it's a really really good formation you, if you push your full backs up you've got your midfielder that can protect those guys you've got wingers that can either stay wide or they can get into the box and attack depending on what they do the fullbacks can then underlap you've just got different movement all over the place and it and it should be a really good attacking formation and with those players that's why we're so excited about them but it just seemed to completely collapse when uh, when that substitution was made and, and and Wolves were on top for a long time and the goal was coming there was yeah. no we talk about Isir Alta scoring an own goal and how unfortunate it was he had a great game only thing he did wrong but that goal was coming regardless of how unlucky the goal was you say that I think I'm not sure I entirely agree I thought we we came into the game in the towards the second half of the first half and then I thought for the first half of the second half we looked all right I was talking to Colin earlier saying that Wolves looked like they were because let's not forget they've lost every game this season starting to doubt themselves at that stage Traore had been sort of marked out of the game 
they weren't creating loads of chances either. They certainly had more of the ball. They certainly looked better and more cohesive than we did, but nothing was dropping for them. And I think up until 55, 60 minutes, it was very, very easy, even. And I was, to, to use commentators' parlance, I thought it was quite an absorbing game because we were hanging in a little bit, but we looked just as likely to nick one as, as they did, really. And then just the tide turned. You, you, it happens in football virtually every match, doesn't it? It ebbs and flows. You know you have a window of having pressure unless it's Manchester United against Cheshire United you know really when teams are at this level you're going to have a go they're going to have a go you're going to have a go they're going to have a go and as drifted away from us a little bit and then I thought the Wolves really really did just sort of take take hold of it and it's and it basically it combined with the substitutions the the, the whole balance is completely shifted towards Wolves we looked messy ragged tired unimaginative um, and a bit sorry, really. And Wolves, it was it was only going to, as Jason said. But I, I think it was a bit of a sliding doors moment. I think if we'd have managed yeah. to get get a goal at some stage, all of a sudden Wolves look at themselves. We're yeah. facing another defeat here, four in a row. The manager hasn't seen them score. Unfortunately, what happened was, and this is this is unfortunately another massive issue for us. Every single Premier League goal, every single Premier League game this season, we have given the opposition a goal. Villa, we almost blew it right at the end. Brighton, absolute kamikaze time. Huge error from, from Batman, albeit understandable, at, at Tottenham. And a, an own goal, again, albeit understandable, from, from Sierra Alta. But an un, own goal nonetheless. And if you sum it up very, very bluntly, this afternoon, couldn't defend, couldn't attack. Very, very bluntly. That's just, there's, more, there's more nuance to it than that. But that's three games where that's really, if you had to sum it up, didn't really defend that well, didn't create much. And that's a worry. Colin, you're a consultant for Cisco. What could he do in the next week to get us ready for Norwich? Um, that's, um, yeah. What would you focus on? Well, I think identity. What, can you can you any of you honestly say who we are as a team? Are we a team that soaks up pressure and hits on the break, or are we going to be a team that plays four three three in the way that um, that Jace just described, where you send the fullbacks, drop the, one of the midfielders, and get get forward and try and press teams, win the ball high, attack them, force them to make mistakes? What are we at the moment? As as Mike, as, as Mike says, you know, we, we're not really defending that well, and we're not attacking that well. So we need to make a decision. Really, I think Cisco needs to make a proper decision about what we are, and then do that but do it absolutely 100%. Today, I thought we slightly fell between two stools. We didn't really press, we, we, very occasionally, but we didn't get up in their faces at all. They got up in ours. We didn't sit back and soak up pressure and, and then send, send players. When they had a corner, we all came back into the box, which is nuts. They didn't do that. They, they left two or three up outside the box. So then we have to commit players to defend against them. We didn't do that. We just put all our players in the box. If you put Saar on the halfway line when they've got a corner, they're like, uh, you know, if the ball comes out as it often does and one one kick and he's gone. And we don't do that. So what are we? Are we a team that soaks up pressure and hits on the break, plays down the sides and gets crosses into flying forwards or are we going to be a team that gets up and presses teams gets up in their face wins the ball are we are we a physical side that puts a lot of tackles in because we certainly didn't do that today or are we a team that just lets them have the ball and tries to tries to frustrate and thwart the opposition i don't know we're a bit of everything and at the moment we don't have an identity and that is something he needs to work jack of all trades master of none jace what would you be asking cisco to work on and not in the work but maybe focus on and think that there would be an easy win if we do something or one thing or another <laughs> an easy win in the premier league <laughs> oh come on come on um well 
I, I mean, the next game, if you look at the next game, it's Norwich away. And again, that is an opportunity, isn't it? That's an opportunity for, uh, for three points. It's, it's pretty much, as Colin said there, it's what are we actually trying to do? What are we trying to achieve? Like you said, at, at times it looked like we were going to concede the possession, but then you then expect to sort of, when you win the ball, break quickly. And we weren't, and it was all too slow. So let's look at those good players that we've got. Let's, let's look at Ishmael Assar. He'll probably, I mean, uh, let's be honest, Norwich will probably uh, focus on him in the next game. It might be difficult to get the ball out to him. So let's look at the other good players. Are We talked about the pace that we've got. So if King is starting, if he does get another chance up the middle, let's have a look at his pace. Let's have a look at either Dennis or Kuch, whoever starts up there, if we're playing the same three up front. If we're going to soak it up, we need to utilise that pace and get the ball forward quickly. So as Colin's saying, get that identity define the way that you want to play my suggestion I'm not a football coach but my <laughs> suggestion is yeah let's soak it out that's fine because we look comfortable doing that use that pace get behind the defenders defenders don't like the balls going over the top of them not saying we want to play long ball but yeah let's, let's utilise our strengths Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US based live customer service from Discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. So, you know, whatever happens in this next week for Watford, we know that in that changing room and in that training ground, there is a motivator. Troy's gone. We understand what he might be missing. But if any of you are regular followers of Cristiano Gioretta, the Watford sporting director, during this summer window, his motivational tweets are direct but uplifting. So much so, he done off sound like Winston Churchill sending out some tweets. So we gather them all together, and Colin has made them sound like Winston Churchill during a wartime motivational speech to the nation. Welcome to Watford. Think, believe, dream and dare. Our time is now. Make sure you never do less than your best. Play, have fun, and enjoy this club. You can't put a limit on anything. Work hard and think big. You cannot love a club without fighting for it. Now, it's time to fight. Be proud and dig in. Never give up. So if that's not going to help the Watford fan, the Watford team get there, what what will? But DCW's join us. How are you, mate? I'm very good. You've had a couple of while. You've been uh, relaxing after the game so far. <laughs> Probably got yourself all sorted out. But, but 
Right, when we come out of games like that, headspace, how we're feeling, is always a big thing. And you cut up earlier on with Sam Yuko, uh, who is uh, one of the presenters from WD18. They've got a brand new mental health series, haven't they? Yeah, they have. They're putting on a special series over the next sort of month or so, I think, with a few different episodes. We'll hear from Sam. He'll tell us the details, but I think it's a really, it's a really good initiative. We've, we've spoken about it here and there, haven't we, on the podcast before, but it's, it's so important. We always we get upset about football, don't we? But we all know that there are bigger things to worry about in life. And if you if you are struggling, you know, it's so important to talk. And that's one of the reasons why why Sam and Jacob and the boys are doing this thing. And I started off simply by asking Sam, what's going on? What are they doing? It's been kind of something that Jacob and I have discussed to do on the channel for quite a while now. Um, and we thought, you know, it's my summer in between finishing A-levels and uni, I thought it would be a really good time to start planning it and get a couple of episodes of the Speaking Up series out. Something I'm really passionate about and particularly with the growth of our channel recently, I thought it would be so important just to, you know, we've got a platform now to really connect with younger Watford fans uh, and talk to them and, and give advice, even though we're not directly professionals. It's just a place that we feel, Jacob and I feel like we've been there, done that, and we can help others with it. So, yeah, we've had a, we've recorded five episodes coming out once a week, and uh, yeah, people seem to uh, really enjoy the first episode. So the first episode was just you and, and Jacob sort of talking about your own experiences because you know you, I, I watched it this morning before I spoke to you, and I was quite impressed by, especially your honesty in terms of your experiences. So you're, you know, you're talking from a perspective of having been through something yourself, and that's kind of partly why you're doing this, right? Correct. So it was the second lockdown, and it got to about. January time and I was like do you know what I've got a real opportunity here to you know make a difference and and talk to younger Watford fans such as myself and and young people in general and I spoke to Jacob about it and it was just difficult at the time with the championship we were recording so many videos every week that we wanted to you know give a real focus to to the episodes and and really have time to promote it we decided to do it now uh, at the start of the season after the transfer window shut um, and yeah we just think the most important thing with it is honesty I've, I've gone through quite a bit from where I've been to to where I am now I think it's just so important to show people that if you work hard that there are opportunities there and things do get better yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned a few times there about speaking to young Watford fans. Obviously, your, the audience to your YouTube channel, we predominantly will be the younger end of the Watford spectrum. But I imagine people listening to this podcast are probably a little bit older. You know, people of my generation, of John's generation, of Colin's generation. There's many different generations in, involved in this. <laughs> you know, those generations and above are probably not as good or certainly is used to historically about talking about any mental health issues they might have or feelings they might be having so people listening to this podcast could probably learn a thing or two from from you guys and sort of your generation definitely and i've had quite a few messages uh, this week from a, a couple of, of parents saying how do i connect with my kids uh, can you have a word with my kids and i feel like that's so important because we're now you know the whole point in this series was to encourage people to speak up hence the name and the fact that you know we've got parents reaching out to us now saying how can i connect with my kids better or understand them better i think is just so good and it's you know it makes me so happy and you, you, spent, you said you recorded five interviews there, and you've got a few in the can already. You know, tell us about who you're going to be talking to, because you're looking at sort of mental health, obviously, is, is a bit of a catch-all term, isn't it? But obviously, there are very different aspects to it and different groups are affected in different ways in terms of the mental health sort of issue. So who are you speaking to? Kind of the essence of the whole thing is we wanted to, as you say, go from, through the whole spectrum of mental health, that there are so many different forms that it comes in and different ways that it affects people. And I think it's also important to say that Jacob and I, or it was me who 
recorded the the episodes we're not professionals and we're just going purely from a, a human perspective and how to help others so the first episode as you said at the start was just with uh, me and Jacob talking about our teenage experiences and how we perhaps have grown as individuals we recorded an episode with Pride, uh, Pride Hornets uh, talking about how the LGBTQ movement perhaps affects their mental health and how their movement works in football we spoke to Kate Lewis um, from Women of Watford talking about her new movement and about how perhaps being a woman at games affects her mental health. We spoke to Hertfordshire Mind, which is the mental health charity, which, you know, always there for a chat if needed. And particularly as a local charity, we thought it'd be really important to speak to them. And I'd say my favourite one that I recorded was with Lenny Priest, who Watford Women's Centre-Half, um, she joined this summer. Uh, her younger brother, the age of three, has got leukaemia um, and she's been quite affected by it. So we were able to talk about that. So we spoke to a whole range of guests, really, and it just shows how the different forms that mental health can come in. Did, did you learn anything from talking to all those different people? Yeah, definitely. Um, as I say, through, through doing a lot of talks recently since the second lockdown, I've been able to learn a lot more, not just about others, but about myself as well. I was able to, through talking to other people, reflect on my own mental health and where I want to get to and using these people as inspiration as well. And I think that, you know, the fact that I was able to learn that, I think many people could, can take that as well and learn about themselves even more. And hopefully it will encourage them to speak up or get involved with these movements. So just remind everyone where we can see it all. Uh, WD18 fans on YouTube. Uh, you had Jacob on a couple of weeks ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it's Jacob and I's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, J- Jacob's the main guy on it. Um, but uh, he luck- uh, he gave me. Don't do yourself down. Uh, that, it, 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 it gave me the opportunity to do this uh, series, which I'm really grateful for. And uh, yeah, uh, it's over on YouTube, and there'll be one episode out a week for the next five weeks. Good man. Good luck with it. Mike mental health I think I'm of an age 40 plus now where I thank my mother for giving me some resilience I've definitely had moments in my life where I've had darker times but I think doing this podcast and having our little whatsapp group is an amazing thing to keep me uh, level headed not only just with what's going on the pitch but generally in life I've got a bunch of mates you can talk to I've got a a wife I can talk to I've got uh, a, a, a mother who like I said she can always sit and listen to me moan about many things but it's that that's the thing I think many people sort of miss in terms of their mental health is just talking about it and speaking up which is what the series is called yeah and I think it's hard isn't it we've I think we'd, we'd be lying if all if if we if any of us said that we've never felt low down worried anxious upset and it's often the reaction is to try and compartmentalize it to try and assume it's going to get better and not worry someone. It could start off as not trying to, you don't want to worry your partner, your parents, your brother, your sister, whoever, your best mate. Um, there could be a bit of machismo around it, not wanting to appear like you're struggling because it can be mistaken for something, for weakness. And of course, we know it's none of those things. It's friends are friends for a reason. They're important. They're, um, you know, they, we're there to hold each other up. You know, John, you always do it to me. You recognise when I'm flailing around a bit and it's all getting a bit much. And you say, "Come on, Mike." Sort you it do out. it quite clearly on the podcast, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but but that you know, we we we're lucky because we have this natural little support network every Saturday, every every Thursday, where if we're two down about the football, we can talk about it, rationalise it, and it and it helps. We don't have to go home and stew over it. And it's the same, but you can apply that for to life as well. And I don't think anyone will ever be upset about someone asking for help, saying I'm struggling. It's a hard thing to do, but I think we're getting better at it. I think we're getting better at recognising the signs. Uh, And I think as people, we're recognising it in other people and making ourselves available to each other. You're never alone. 
it's, there's never too much, there's never a problem that can't be helped or improved by talking about it. And yeah, fair play to, to Sam and the guys. I think anything that, that helps remove the stigma and helps make people make that first step, because I think it's often the hardest thing is to, is to say the first couple of words, I'm struggling. I have a problem with it, DC, I don't know about you, but when people say they're struggling, what I don't think people understand is what a struggle is. They think it's this huge, heavy depression where they don't want to go out of their bed. And that is there, of course, but actually it can just be things are getting a bit too much for me and you just want to talk it through with somebody. And I know that's always been the thing in, with, say, family, but also people I work with, is talking it through. All of a sudden it, my brain is able to, to just see the clarity of it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, I think there's a... As we mentioned with, with Sam, there's a whole spectrum of things. And it, it, could be, it could be, as Mike said, I'm struggling, I'm not feeling that great, I'm, a, you know, I'm anxious, I'm down about stuff, you know, I've, I'm in my own head. And, you know, that could be the start of something. But, but, but equally, there will be people who might be listening to this and there are people out there who thought it's a you know, really serious mental illness. And, and there, you know, it, was, it was World Suicide Prevention Day the other day. And, you know, I know people in the last... 12 to 18 months who've taken their own life and friends and family members who've had that situation and you know we, we've got to encourage everyone no matter how they're feeling whether whether it's just a kind of day in day out sort of feeling of of anxious of anxiety or, or or mild depression or whatever look we're not we're not medical professionals we don't we don't we don't try and diagnose things here but you, you've also got a i think there's a responsibility on on everyone to look out for each other and to try and spot those signs, like Mike, you were just saying about John knows when to sort of ask if you're okay or whatever. But sometimes sending that message to someone, that that text, that call, saying hello, whatever, asking if they're okay, can be the difference, literally between life and death. Sometimes, so we talk about mental health a lot at the moment, increasingly, and that's a really good thing. But I do think sometimes there's a danger of it becoming slightly trivialised, when we actually you do need to think that we are sometimes talking about really genuinely serious mental health illness mental illness it could it could be the it could be the difference between someone deciding that they want to take their own life and you know it's a serious issue we shouldn't just we shouldn't just sort of get to the point where it's like oh yeah it's mental health awareness week or whatever oh yeah that's a good thing it's a serious thing we need to take it seriously they say as sam said get onto the youtube channel uh go to youtube uh, and search for wd18 fans uh, and you'll see the videos they've done so far and all the ones that are coming up soon. But talking of coming up, we've got another away day. And I don't, I don't know what's these, these away days. We get very excited about these away days. I was reminded, Michael, this week of Watford 4 away at West Ham where they got two. I should say 2-4, really, shouldn't it? But you know what I mean. It was a magical day uh, under Walter Mazzari. We, we, we came behind. What, what are your memories of that one in particular? Being pretty upset after about <laughs> half an hour when West Ham were basically taking the, taking the mick out of us. We were 2-0 down. We hadn't won at that stage yeah. of the season. Um, who, who was it that tried a Rabona? Someone tried who a Rabona. Was it, was it, was it Payet? Yeah, he yeah. Raboned it in for the cross and yeah. it was it Antonio scored yeah, the header yeah, yeah. and then did the worm to celebrate so it's like <laughs> it couldn't have more more showboaty goal than that <laughs> 2 nil down and then obviously we, we battled back um, uh, that wonderful goal from from Troy to make it make it to all and then the second half was memorable as well and yeah just watching it back you kind of remember the scenes in the away end and that's 
that's what I'm looking forward to the most eventually is the you know it's nothing like you know Arlo was complaining the other day about how Italy celebrated uh, he said it's not fair because that was our home I said well that's exactly what makes it amazing and hopefully that's exactly what we'll be doing at Carrow Road next week because there's, there's, you know there's nothing but you saw the Wolves fans this afternoon absolutely cock a hoop first goals of the season first win of the season they will be smiling from now until probably their next game they were here they've had they've taken their points they've taken the mitt and they're off back up the motorway um, that's what everyone wants to be doing on a away day that's what you dream of isn't it but that that game though DCW you were saying that it just sums up that Watford team completely it kind of summed up that era yeah and it was kind of you sort of had a trademark goal from from certainly three of the four goal scorers I think Troy's Troy that was probably Troy's the best goal from a technical perspective that yeah. Troy ever scored. But it he scored another one of like that against Ipswich. Yeah. But that was actually a better goal, though. Yeah, but that certainly wasn't something you were used to seeing from Troy. But the others, Capu sort of uh, hitting it on the bounce, just rifling it into the roof of the net. Igalo just sort of Igalo. rampaging his way, bumbling his way through and hitting it, hitting a shot that shouldn't have gone in, but, but somehow it did. And Hollybass as well, just sort of taking a punt, just sort of, again, through sheer sort of will and determination thing I'm just gonna I'm just gonna smack this one and it went in and it and it wasn't all bad that season you know there were some there, there were some good moments but as Mike said we we really could do with a with an afternoon like that next week against Norwich but as it stands John as I said to you at the final whistle I think I'm just gonna go and check out the cathedral instead <laughs> I think we should go to the mustard factory but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying I mean my favorite thing about that game was a carker coming on and then going off yeah. it just like it just sums him up quite quite nicely but Mike it's quite easy to say it's a must-win game and all the rest of it. We've talked about what we want to do. What are you looking forward to? Is it just a burger with a bit of mustard in it? No, I'm looking forward to seeing Watford in action again. I don't think we've got to the bottom of this outfit yet. I don't think, you know, we're obviously a little bit downbeat today. I think understandably so. More questions and answers are forming as the, uh, the season's still in its infancy, obviously. But I think there's more about to be concerned about than happy about. But we do, what we do know, and we discussed it today, even in the in the in the aftermath of the defeat, there's talent all the way from front to back, and it probably wouldn't take much for it to click. You know, we played very very well against Aston Villa, swept a decent side aside then, um, ran Tottenham relatively close, and we were, we were in the game today. Now the issue is, I spoke to um, to to my cousin, hello Rich, and he mentioned it, it felt a little bit like when you come up when we've come up previously close but no cigar seasons we've we haven't really been hammered week in week out but we haven't really had the quality to see the the matches over the line and we have to find that quality quickly i don't think we need to panic but we really do need to focus because i think the next two games it sounds ludicrous to say it but we've done four already and we've lost three in a row now without scoring if we go to norwich and don't get anything at all we're kickstarting their season they've had they haven't um they haven't uh, won a game yet this season so we don't want to start their season. We've started Wolves and then we've got Newcastle coming down the pipe. So that puts an enormous amount of pressure on that game as well. Then you've got another international break. And after that, we're away at Leeds. All right, right, all right, all right. But we have to be realistic, <laughs> yeah, John. Yeah, I know. And then there is that battery of horrendous fixtures yeah. where the big boys come relentlessly and you just can't see us getting anything from, from those games. So the next two games are just absolute. They're, they're massive already. When we, when we got Man United here, when are we playing them? We're going to have Ronaldo here soon, aren't we? It doesn't bear thinking about, does it? But um, it is a huge game next week. It shouldn't be overstated. I mean, Norwich have lost their first four games, but three of those were... Well, all four of those were against... I don't want to lurch into the realms of cliches, but it is the sort of game that gets called a six-pointer for, for good reason. Because 
they are our direct rivals and I, it, it, we're in we are we are now at the moment where we talked about in the pre-season pods with Kelly and you Mike when you said those early games are so important because we know what's coming we have to get the points on board and that performance really concerned me really concerned me today and you know I know I'm just just after the game we'll take stock we'll, we'll go into next week next week a bit more confident hopefully but it's a huge game and you know the other thing that we probably don't really want to start talking about yet but we're all thinking is that two games what how many points does Cisco need to not be sacked in October from those next two games I think it's a fair question do as well going into that international break if we're still on three or four points I think I know what would happen to be perfectly frank you know that's no criticism of Cisco yet you know we said today that he's picked the right team and as Jason said the substitutions he made certainly with bringing Cucho on you would expect that to go better but and I go back to my blunt summary we're not defending well and we're not scoring any goals we can't change the squad the Pozzos know how to change manager. So, you know, I don't want it to happen. And we could win the next two games. Uh, we beat Newcastle, we beat Norwich, and the start of the season's a reasonable one. Uh, better than reasonable. We're a quarter of the way to, to safety. But this is relentless. It's unforgiving, um, as are the owners here at the football club. So they have to get their mojo back pretty quickly because when you say it out loud three games three defeats no goals plenty of cock-ups in, in the, from the defensive unit enough said I think we would say in the 1990s uh, thank you very much Michael uh, no worries come on you want thank you ECW thank you uh, thank you to Colin and to Jason for their contributions earlier in the podcast um, we'll be back of course on Thursday with another podcast with Adam remember these we, we chat about the game and try and react as fans on, on the weekend and Adam gives us the deep dive and the detail of what's going on uh, on a Thursday podcast remember if you heard adverts in this podcast and you'd like to have advert free podcasts then you can subscribe to The Athletic and we do a good deal for you if you go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end uh, and there you will get a subscription uh, and even if you, you half think about it go along Sign up, get a seven-day free trial, and you can find out what it's all about. So give yourself seven days to have a go with The Athletic if you haven't done so far. Uh, we're back uh, on Thursday, but I am still looking forward to going to Carrow Road next Bring Saturday. Bring it, Bring it on and come on, yours. The Athletic.